0: So let's hear God's Word together as we read it. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'll start reading from verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who don't obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that as we've been worshiping You, You have reminded us of the gift of Your Spirit. Spirit of power, Your Holy Spirit. And we pray that we would know His working among us now, that You would make Your Word alive to us and that You would accomplish every good purpose that You have for us considering Your Word together now. Holy Spirit, come and make Your Word live, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Ezat Atala was was a 45-year-old businessman. He had a cell phone business in Benghazi in the east of Libya. He had a 15-year-old son, 11-year-old daughter, and was living in Benghazi uh, with his wife. And then on the 10th, Of February of this year, he was arrested together with other Christians because he had been living for the Lord Jesus. 25 days later, on March the 10th, he died in prison. The authorities said that he died from natural causes. His lawyer said that he'd been tortured to death. Why had we? Why had he been detained? It was because he was a Christian. Elaine has reminded us in Central Africa Republic of those who are suffering today because they own the name of Christ. Pastors have been killed. Businesses of Christians have been looted. Congregations have been bombed. Why? Because these folk, brothers and sisters, love the Lord Jesus as you and I love the Lord Jesus. These are current illustrations of what the Apostle Peter is speaking of here in this chapter. Peter has been reminding us from chapter 1 that suffering isn't something to be shied away from or something that is a strange experience. Peter is saying that suffering is an integral and necessary element of what it means to be a Christian. That if we are a disciple of the suffering Christ, of the crucified Christ, then we are to expect suffering. And in some senses, this portion that we are to look at now is the summit of Peter's teaching about suffering. What's the context? The context is that there are... The people to whom Peter is writing have been suffering because of their faith, because they've been driven from their homes, they've been persecuted, they've been separated from their family, their goods have been looted, and even some of them have been put to death. And so, Peter is explaining the role of suffering and how Christians are to deal with suffering. Now perhaps your immediate response to what I've already said, none of us here in Cairns Road is being put to death, none of us have been looted because uh, of uh, our faith, what has this got to do with us? That's the immediate context, but Peter is explaining in a wider sense that suffering isn't just the things that I've enumerated, but it's that pain, that, those difficulties that flow from our obedience to Christ when we choose Christ's way and not any other way. And so in our context, it means that when you're in school and you seek to honor Christ, you are suffering as Peter is speaking of here when your friends reject you, when they speak badly about you, When you make a decision in your business that's going to cost you personally, this is what the suffering is that Peter is speaking of here. When your family don't invite you to family celebrations because your values are different because you follow Christ, this is the suffering that Peter is speaking of here. And so, whether it's The threat of death, whether it's the threat of looting or whether it's the threat of rejection, how are we to respond to that suffering? And Peter then explains what we are to do. If we look at verse 12, the first instruction that he gives here is, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that the painful trial you are suffering is something strange were happening to you. Peter is saying that suffering is a necessary part of the life of all Christians. If you look in chapter 5, verse 9, resist him, the devil, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. In chapter 1, verse 7, he speaks of the various kinds of trials. Trials and sufferings are a necessary part of our daily living if we are the Lord's. How many of us here enjoy suffering? I don't think anyone's going to put their hand up for that. No one enjoys suffering. Suffering is something that naturally we react against. If you turn to Mark chapter 8, you'll see the response of the Apostle Peter himself when the Lord Jesus was teaching about this very issue. The Lord Jesus, in verse 31, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter was saying, no, suffering, we don't want suffering. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Naturally, we don't want suffering. We turn from suffering, but Jesus is saying, if you are following me, my path is the path of suffering because this is wisdom for us. So many scriptures that we could allude to here. The Lord Jesus said, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. So, when our neighbors see Christ in us and reject us, it's because they're hating Christ in us. And so, that's the first response for the Christian, when difficulties come because we're seeking to choose Christ rather than choose the ways of the world, don't be surprised, prepare for that type of suffering. A few months ago when, on one of these trips to Africa, I heard of a a ten-year-old Eritrean girl. Eritrea, that's just by Ethiopia. She was the daughter of a pastor and the pastor recognized that in that country where persecution is very severe that he, he was likely to be targeted and one day the inevitable day came when the authorities came for the father the pastor and so it so happened that the daughter was there at the home when the authorities came and they seized the father and were taking him away to prison when that ten-year-old daughter saw her her brother, her three-year-old brother, beginning to cry because their father was being taken away. And what did this ten-year-old daughter do? She began to ululate, she began to give expression to praise, telling her brother, "'Don't you remember what our father said preparing us for this day?' Let us rejoice because he is suffering in Christ's name. The pastor was prepared. He was expecting suffering, and he was teaching his family to expect suffering. And so, in our context, in our daily walk, if you're suffering because you're identifying with the Lord Jesus... Don't be surprised by it. It is something that we are to expect. As we go on looking at the passage, we see not only are we not to be surprised at this, but secondly, we are to rejoice. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So Peter is saying, don't complain, don't be angry, but rather rejoice, praising God as you trust Him. Now the danger for all of us is that when suffering comes, is that we do do that. We start to complain. We start to say that God is not fair. This isn't right. But Peter is saying here, when suffering comes because you are following Christ, rejoice. Praise God. Naturally, that's difficult for us to do. But by the Spirit of God, He comes and enables us to do that supernatural thing which is to praise Him in the midst of suffering. Luke 6, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. That's the instruction that the Lord Jesus Himself gives to us. When you are hated, when you are rejected, because of My name, rejoice. And the history of the church is replete with examples of those who have actually done this, who do this in glorious ways. In the 16th century, there was a man who was burnt at the stake, John Bradford. And as he was being prepared to be put on the place where they were going to attach him and then put the uh, wood around him, the person with whom he was going to be burnt was... Feeling that fear and feeling that uncertainty, what was his response? He said, we will have a merry meal with the Lord tonight. We will have a merry meal with the Lord tonight. Naturally speaking, we can't do that, but God by His Spirit comes in that difficulty and enables us to give praise to God in such a difficulty, in such a difficult setting. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. And why are we blessed? For the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And so, when in school you are insulted because of Christ, when in the office people speak badly because of you, because of your attachment to Christ and His values, the Word of God is saying that the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. It may be that you are rejected. It may be that you are looked down upon. It may be that you are excluded from their society, but you are not excluded from the society of God Himself because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. As we were reminded this morning, uh, just an hour or so ago, nothing tangible. You can't see, but you know His presence, and you know His power, and you know God's endorsement and His approval. Again, a few months ago. One of these trips to Africa, I was speaking to one of our people who were in Khartoum. And in Khartoum in North Sudan right now, there again is a crackdown on Christians. And in one of these crackdowns, the government came with um, the necessary equipment to knock down churches. And so they came with crowds and they knocked down this church that had been built by the local Christians there. And so the Christians were gathering to see what was happening, to see what the government was doing. And as they were burning the remnants of uh, that church, what did the Christians do? The spirit of glory and of God was upon them, and they began to praise God. Fascinating to hear the Muslims' reaction, why aren't you angry? Why aren't you upset? They were dumbfounded because of praise in the midst of suffering and in the midst of difficulty. And that's how God enables His people in pain and in difficulty to bring praise to His name. Not because they screw up some faith from somewhere to do something like that, something Christian, but God comes by His Spirit and enables the broken, weak people to bring glory to His name because His Spirit is upon them. And so, there is a divine glory that rests upon the child of God who is suffering. And I'm sure we can speak of different people who we know in our own experience for whom there is something different about them because Christ's presence is Is upon them in some special way, this spirit of glory where where we see something a little more of Christ through the suffering that that individual is experiencing. As one uh, well-known archbishop said, adversity is the diamond dust with which heaven polishes its jewels. And so, God brings this suffering. And he burnishes the Christian life in the child of God. And so the Lord Jesus receives glory. And so I'm wondering this morning are you suffering? Are you experiencing difficulty because of your attachment to the Lord Jesus? Take encouragement, take heart. God hasn't abandoned, He continues to minister to you and has promised His Spirit to enable you Acts 5:41 They called the apostles in and had them flogged then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name God's spirit upon his people enables them to rejoice in the pain of suffering. But then Peter goes on and he says, verse 15, if you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer. If you suffer, it's not because of any wrongdoing, sinful action of your own. No doubt it was a danger for or a temptation for these Christians. They had been persecuted, they had been treated unjustly. Maybe they had the Moses syndrome. Do you remember how Moses, he tried to bring about freedom for his people by killing the one who was oppressing the Israelite? And so maybe there was a temptation for them to rise up and attack. Peter is saying, no, don't suffer for wrongdoing. Verse 16, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. I'm guessing that many of us have heard that response as we have sought to speak of Christ and share the Lord Jesus with others. Who do you think you are telling me to trust in the Lord Jesus? You ought to be ashamed of that message. Peter is saying, Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. Don't be ashamed of his message. And Peter's instruction here is all the more powerful because it's Peter who is sharing it. Peter was ashamed of the Lord Jesus at one point, at what point in his life? That servant girl. Three times Peter said, No, 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 it's not me. I'm not with him. Peter was ashamed. And yet here now he's saying, don't be ashamed. Peter has learned, and this is an encouragement to us this morning. Is there anyone here who believes in the Lord Jesus who hasn't had that experience of being ashamed of the Lord Jesus at some point? Sadly, it's our experience where we prefer the approval of others rather than the approval of our Heavenly Father. And we have been ashamed of him. And yet Peter is saying here, don't be ashamed because he's come through that. And he's encouraging us in the context of his own experience to press on even though we are tempted to be ashamed. So if Jesus lays his cross on your back, don't be ashamed to carry it, but to press on with the Lord Jesus. And this encouragement from Peter is an encouragement for us this morning, an encouragement of second beginnings and third beginnings and fourth beginnings, because we see that Peter is restored, Peter is pressing on, seeking not to be ashamed when once he was. And I don't know, perhaps in your own walk with the Lord, maybe you're sensing that you are experiencing this time when perhaps you are less bold than once you were. That perhaps you're more concerned about the approval of others than you are about the approval of Christ. Take encouragement from this example of Peter to be bold, not to be ashamed, and to live for the glory of Christ. Peter goes on in verse 17, but it's time for judgment, not judgment in the sense of condemnation, but for assessment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who don't obey the gospel of God? So he is saying, in effect, consider the long term and not just the short term. If Christians experience the glories to come only through suffering and pain, What will be the lot of those who aren't Christians, who disobey and are in rebellion against God? God's people go through trials and difficulties as they experience God's salvation. And so if salvation is hard for the righteous, what will be the lot of the unconverted? Peter is saying here, have the long-term view. How easy it is to have that short-term view the pleasure of the moment, the immediacy of now. It's easier to avoid suffering now, but Peter is saying, have that long-term perspective. And with that encouragement, in verse 19, he says, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. Just a, such a fascinating conclusion that he comes to here. What is that conclusion? Is to continue to do good even though suffering is painful. I think we all recognize then when we start to suffer, when your hand goes closer to the fire, you withdraw. Peter is saying, press on in faithfulness to God in seeking to give expression to your love to Christ, continue to do good. And what's the encouragement? The encouragement is that we are to commit ourselves to our faithful Creator. Why did He use that word Creator? Why didn't He say Lord? I think He uses the word Creator because He knows each and every one of us. He knows how we are wired. He knows how we are made up. And our God understands each one of us knowing what we need in order to keep going on and bringing glory to His name. And so whatever your situation is, commit yourself to this Creator who is faithful. He's not going to let you down. He's going to empower you. He's going to give you that wisdom. He's going to enable you to give glory to His name so that we see it there at the end of verse 13, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. There is a long-term view about our lives here, and Peter is saying keep that in perspective. If you Google uh, pain management you will find that there is 143 million hit sites that you can explore it reflects our society we don't want pain we don't want suffering but what peter is saying here is expect it god blesses you in it the holy spirit will equip you so carry on continue and I want to conclude with one story that I read this past year in a book that I do recommend to you. I don't recommend the title. Um, it's called The Insanity of God, but it speaks of exactly what we're looking at here this morning, of how God empowers His people in times of suffering. And so this Russian pastor, was arrested and was in prison for 17 years, and he had a custom, and this was his custom. He would stand at attention by his bed. He would face the east, raise his arms in praise to God, and then he would sing a heart song to Jesus. The reaction of the other prisoners was predictable. Dimitri, that was the pastor, recounted the laughter, the cursing, and the jeers The other prisoners banged metal cups against the iron bars in protest. They threw food and sometimes human waste to try to shut him up and extinguish the only true light shining in that dark place every morning at dawn. And so it continues. I'm not reading the whole story, but at this culmination point, Dimitri was dragged from his cell. As he was dragged down the corridor in the center of the prison, the strangest thing happened. Before they reached the door leading to the courtyard, before stepping out into the place of execution, 1,500 hardened criminals stood at attention by their beds. They faced the east and they began to sing. Dimitri told me that it sounded to him like the greatest choir in all of human history. 1,500 criminals raised their arms and began to sing the heart song that they had heard Dimitri sing to Jesus every morning for all those years. Dimitri's jailers instantly released their hold on his arms and stepped away from him in terror. One of them demanded to know, who are you? Dimitri straightened his back and stood as tall and as proud as he could. He responded, I am the Son of the living God, and Jesus is His name. The Spirit of God and of glory upon His people enables them to continue bringing praise to the name of the One who has loved them and has given Himself for them. May the Lord help us on this day of Pentecost to know the filling of His Spirit. And so live and continue for the glory of Christ.